0: Welcome to the St. Richard's Episcopal Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Reverend Cameron Nations. For more information, please visit strichard's.org. So, this past week, uh, some of you uh, probably saw this news, um, but this past week, the acclaimed author Frederick Beekner died. Have anybody read any of Beekner's stuff? I see some heads nodding, oh yes, yeah, some, some hands waving even, yes. Frederick Buechner was a, an excellent, excellent writer, not just of fiction, but also of kind of spiritual reflection and memoir, and uh, he passed away this week. And so all this week, a quote has been kind of rattling around in my head and my heart um, of Buechner's. It's one that I've used a number of times in sermons, and um, and that actually has kind of informed the way that I think about vocation and God's call to us. Um, I read, actually, this book that the quote is from during the discernment process, my discernment process, when I was discerning whether or not ordination was something God was calling me to. And um, the quote, actually, it comes at the end of this passage I'm about to read you. I want to read you the passage and then um, the quotes at the very end that you might notice. And even if you haven't read any of Beekner's writing, you may very well have heard this quote or seen it pop up in a Facebook meme or something. Okay, It's a, it's a pretty famous quote. But so Buechner is writing, this is from his book, Wishful Thinking, A Seeker's ABC. Okay, And he, it's this short little book, and in it, um, at this point, he's talking about vocation, about our callings, about our call stories, and about the way that God calls us to do any number of things in our lives. And so he's talking about this word vocation, and he writes, it comes from the Latin vocare, to call. And it means the work a man is called to do by God. Now, there are all different kinds of voices, Buechner writes, calling you to do all different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than the voice of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. By and large, a good rule for finding, uh, finding this out is this. The kind of work that God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you, you need most to do, and B, that the world most needs to have done. Okay? So these are the two criteria. A, that you need mo- the work you need most to do, and B, the work that the world most needs to have done. He goes on to say, if you really get a kick out of your work, you've presumably met requirement A, right? the work that you need most to do. He says, if your work is writing TV deodorant commercials, however, the chances are that you've missed requirement B, the work that the world needs you to do, okay? That's a pretty low estimation of deodorant commercial writers, but it's Beekner, okay, it's not me, all right. Then he says, on the other hand, if your work is being a doctor in a leper colony, you've probably met requirement B, the work that the world needs you to do, But if most of the time you're bored and depressed by it, the chances are you've not only bypassed criteria A, but you probably aren't helping your patients very much either. And then this is the part, this is the quote everybody knows. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Say that again. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. This is a really good quote. It's a beautiful quote. And as I said, I've used it in multiple sermons. I didn't go back and search to see if I'd used it in any here, but if not, that's okay. I'm using it today. And as I said, it's impacted the way that I think about my own vocation. And it has been on my mind this week as I I went about answering emails, attending finance committee meetings, and yes, even writing this sermon, reading the lections, uh, the lessons that are appointed for today. Because today, in our reading from Jeremiah, we hear at least one call story in our appointed readings. And in fact, we hear actually one of the most famous call stories in the whole of Scripture, which is the calling of the prophet Jeremiah. A prophet's. Prophets often have rather reluctant call stories. When God calls them, they tend to not want to do what God wants them to do. And honestly, with good reason. We'll talk about that more in a second. But I mean, think about Jonah, for instance. I mean, Jonah has to get swallowed up by an entire whale and vomited back out, and even still, he's not totally uh, willing to do what God wants him to go do, to go talk to Nineveh. Um, but, uh, but because of this, as I was reading this, uh, this lecture from uh, Jeremiah about Jeremiah's call story, I started to wonder how the prophets would have felt about Beekner's understanding of vocation as the place where one's deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Kind of wondered what they would make of that quote I mean, let's just talk about Jeremiah for a a minute. I mean, later on, we don't read this, obviously, in today's reading, but later on, people end up plotting to kill Jeremiah. And when Jeremiah very rightly, I think, uh, complains to God about that, I mean, I think I would complain to God if people were plotting to kill me, uh, God actually tells him that things are going to get worse, okay? Which is a a great comfort, I'm sure, to go to God and be like, God, these people are trying to kill me, and God's like, well, you just wait. You know, that's not... (laughs) That's not what you want to hear, okay? But the thing is, is things do get worse, actually, for Jeremiah. At one point, Jeremiah is beaten up uh, and put in these stocks uh, displayed publicly in the gate of Benjamin in the, in the city. And so I was kind of, I was wondering if, if when Jeremiah was like that, you know, if he's sitting in the stocks, if he was really thinking at that moment about his deep gladness, you know? I wonder. In fact, actually, the scriptures basically tell us that he wasn't thinking that. In, um, in chapter 20 uh, of the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah laments. Uh, he says, Cursed be the day on which I was born, he says. Why did I come forth from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame, he asks. Okay, so yeah, my, my guess is Jeremiah probably wasn't thinking about his deep gladness in that moment. And there are others example, other examples, too. We could talk about the prophet Ezekiel, who um, has to perform these various sign uh, acts, these kind of actions, and it's not clear in the text whether he has much choice in this, actually. It seems pretty much like Ezekiel's kind of forced to do these things. He has to lay on his side for a while, and he has to eat uh, fast and eat certain foods, and, and all of these things are meant to exemplify um, uh, in some way or another uh, a message God wants to mediate about the destruction of Jerusalem and the judgment of the people of Israel. And at one point, Ezekiel's wife even dies in the midst of this, and God tells Ezekiel, you can't mourn her like you normally would mourn her, right? Okay. And, um, and so I'm not sure that Ezekiel probably would have been thinking about his own deep gladness in those moments either, but yet Ezekiel is quite clearly called called by God for a specific purpose. So I, I want to be clear here that I actually am not trying to poke holes in Beekner's quote. I actually think it's very true. I think Beekner's definition of vocation is right, that uh, our call is in the place where our deep gladness and the needs of the world meet. Like I, I actually think that's true. I think it's helpful even. Uh, But in contemplating it this week alongside Jeremiah's call story and kind of thinking about the call stories of the prophets more generally, also made me see that the idea of God's call in our lives is perhaps a bit complicated, isn't it? It reminded me that perhaps our deep gladness should not be read as synonymous with our deep happiness. And those two things may not be exactly the same. Kind of like uh, Jesus' discussion of the joys of our hearts, the desires of our hearts, the idea that joy and happiness are not exactly the same thing. Now, the thing about call stories is it isn't just prophets who have them. It isn't just people in the Bible who have them. And actually, each and every one of you in the pews this morning has a call story, whether you feel like you do or not. Because ultimately, our call story, the story of God's action in our lives is just that, the story of God's action in our lives. Uh, sometimes, and one would hope ideally, uh, they may be at the intersection of our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger, the, the, you know, the place that God calls us to. But perhaps uh, your call story may feel a little bit more like Jeremiah's. That is to say, a reluctant acquiescence to a call that seems too great for you to bear. Right? Perhaps that is your call story. But call stories are really important. The reason I'm talking about this, this them this morning is that I believe that they are vital in our lives of faith as Christians. Our call stories root us. They give us purpose, meaning. They even give us direction and help illuminate the path before us and the way that we should go. Everyone. Everyone has a call story. Now even if you don't think that you have a call story, and I imagine there are some of you being like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my call story is. I'm not so sure this is true. I want to tell you that you do. Even if you think you don't, you do have a call story. And the reason I know that you have a call story is that your call story is just your story. (laughs) it's your story if you're sitting here in this church this morning you have a call story because at the very least God brought you here to this place and this point called you here your call story is a story of how God brought you to where you are and in that story you will find the direction where God wants you to be the intersection where your deep gladness and the world's hunger meet Now, perhaps your call story, as I said, looks like Jeremiah's. Maybe it doesn't, but that's the thing about call stories is that they are as unique as the person that they belong to. No one's call story is exactly the same because no one's story is exactly the same. Which brings me, actually, to where I want to end this morning. I want to end with our gospel reading from Luke. Because as I contemplated this idea of God's call, I found myself really wondering a lot about the woman that we read about in the gospel story today. Because the narrative that we see in Luke's gospel for today um, is engineered, it seems, to focus our attention on the exchange between Jesus and the leader of the synagogue, right? There's this, well, let me summarize. I mean, I'm sure we all remember, we just heard it read, but basically what happens is Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and there's a woman there who has. Um, been kind of bent over, she's had this ailment, this, this issue for like 18 years, it says, and she's not been able to be healed, and Jesus heals her on the Sabbath, thus provoking the ire of the leader of the synagogue, and Jesus and the leader of the synagogue have this exchange about, is it right for Jesus to have healed this woman on the Sabbath? The Sabbath is meant for rest, not work, and so come back later for healings, the leader of the synagogue says. And Jesus says, No, that's not how it works. And, and okay, so that's, that's the reading. Um, and so the reading seems to really focus on the exchange between Jesus and the leader of the synagogue. And, and in fact, that seems to be where the lesson is for us, right? Such that there is a lesson to take away. It's something about not getting caught up in the rules of our religion, that we reject the heart and spirit of it, you know, something like that, right? That would be sort of the lesson learned there. Um, But I really think it's important that we not elide over the fact that at the heart of this story, at the heart of this exchange between Jesus and the leader of the synagogue, is a woman whose life was absolutely changed by her encounter with Jesus. Like in the midst of this, the reason they have this dispute about work on the Sabbath day is because Jesus heals this woman who had been bent over for 18 years, right? She'd suffered for a long, long time and seeking healing, and then she finally receives it. She's finally able to stand tall and in so doing sees the world completely differently because of her encounter with Jesus. And so I have to believe. I mean, we don't know anything else about this woman after this story. You know, she disappears into the background like so many people in the Gospels who Jesus interacts with. But I have to believe that her encounter with Jesus that day in the synagogue became a part of her call story. It became a part of her call story. I imagine her telling it every single chance that she got, right, in the market. And then Jesus healed me after 18 years, and I haven't been the same since. You know, around the fire, by the lake, by the Sea of Galilee, wherever she is, right, she's probably telling people about this incredible encounter she had and the way that God changed her life forever. We don't know what happened, like I said, but perhaps it motivated her to, to live differently. Maybe it motivated her to help others. Perhaps it spurred her to start a clinic for those who'd been in the same situation or to help pool resources together to support other women who were suffering from ailments and the you know, accompanying social alienation that would have been present at the time. We don't know, but I have to think that it left a mark. I have to think that it left a mark because God always, always leaves a mark. In fact, we see it in our reading from Jeremiah. Uh, In our reading from Jeremiah, uh, God's telling Jeremiah what he's going to do, and it says that uh, he touched Jeremiah's mouth at one point. God touches Jeremiah's mouth. And the word in Hebrew there, actually, uh, touched is a little too gentle. It really means something more like struck, like struck Jeremiah's mouth. Leaves a mark, right? And so whether God has struck us in the mouth or merely struck us in the heart, God has touched each and every one of us in some way. In fact, even before God formed you in the womb, he knew you, as we're reminded from Jeremiah. And so today, to conclude, I want to challenge all of you. I want to invite all of you To sometime this week maybe even this very afternoon to sit down for a minute and think about your call story in fact actually better yet tell it to somebody tell it to a good friend a spouse somebody who you know will want to hear it and will want to share theirs reacquaint yourself with it root yourself in it and if you think you don't have one here's a good place to start start with answering this question how did i get to church this morning how did i get to church this morning Not, I woke up at seven and I got in my car. I don't mean that, okay? I think you all know that. I mean, deeper than that. How did you get to church? What, What was the chain of events that led you here? Maybe it started actually long, long ago, well before this day. May have even started so long ago it started at the time that you were born, like Jeremiah, right? When a parent had you baptized, maybe forced you to go to Sunday school, sometimes against your will, But sometimes, or somehow, rather, it stuck, and it led you to being here today. That's your call story. Because I can guarantee you this, that God is present and active in your life, and in retelling your story, you will hear it. Where is God present in your life? Your answer will be in you telling that story. God is calling you, calling you from the place of your deep gladness and the world's deep need. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For service times or more information on St. Richards, please visit strichards.org.